All right, a lot of questions in the question box. <laughs> How old is Pastor Jay? What? My favorite question. Uh, all right, we need to get some help up here. I, I'm always looking for extra wisdom, so we'll have uh, we'll have Mr. and Mrs. Scott come up. Doc and Cami, your favorites, and we'll have Leah come up. We'll have Leah come up, who who absolutely hates this. Um, Cammy, you should sit by Doc, and Leah, you can sit by Cammy, and then let's get like AJ and Ryan, and uh, you guys want to hear from Trishon? Oh, well, let's give the people what they want, I guess. Trishon, come on up, man. Not easy to keep those shoes that white, that's for sure. All right, let's crank these out. How old is Pastor Jay? We don't have to answer that. Forty-two. What? Forty-two. Okay, here, here's now. We'll do, we'll do serious, and then we'll do Pastor Jay questions. Here's a, here's a good one. How do I find a friend, the right kind of friend, somebody that I should be friends with? A lot of questions on that. A couple others on how do I find a best friend? Who should I be looking for in a friend? This is a really, really, really good question. What, what, what does our wise panel think? Ryan, you've got a lot of friends. More than most, actually. What do you think, man? Um, I think just one piece that you could uh, think about it with is just like praying, praying that God would bring I've seen the Lord answer that in my life. And so it's just if you wanted somebody who can tell you that God really does answer that kind of prayer. Um, so I think that's just one practical thing you can do. Like, just ask the Lord to bring you the right friends and the right people around you. And even ask that the Lord would, would um, take away the friends that should be in your life. Um, and he's gracious to do that, too. So I think just praying is an important piece of thinking about that. Mm-hmm. What else? Of 
caught up in, you know, oh, I, a lot of friends equals success. So if I'm friends with a bunch of people, everyone likes me, that I'm doing something right. That's not actually true. So I think Pastor Jay has said this a lot of times. Is you guys as senior hires, it's your choice who you choose to be your friend. So if you see somebody who is pursuing the Lord, number one, who loves Christ, who's running after him in their own spiritual growth, in their own walk, that's somebody you want to kind of align with because that's really the most important thing. And then God will be gracious to bring people into your life who also share common interests. So if someone, you know, likes the same sports as you, you guys connect on a lot of, you know, the same things, that's great. Um, but remember that you are the one who chooses who you hang out with. And they always say even just, you know, you're a direct representation of the, the five people you spend the most time with. So if you want to know who you are and what you act like, just kind of think, okay, who are the people I spend the most time with and, and how do they affect the way that I act or what, what I do? Because who you do hang out with will affect you. You guys know that. So uh, just remembering that you can choose and looking for somebody really who's just pursuing the Lord, someone who loves to come to church, loves to be involved, uh, and actually cares about not just what your favorite book is or sports team is or color is, but actually cares about your soul and, and where your heart is and where you guys are at with your walk, because those are the friendships that are going to last a long, long time. Uh, so that's what I would add on to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just would even call us back to Proverbs chapter 1. Here, here a dad is talking to his sons, talking to his kids about the kind of friends, the kind of people that they should be running with, that they should be spending time with. And he says in Proverbs 1 verse 10, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without reason. Uh, Bible language that that's just trying to be descriptive of how sinners think and how they live and how they act and how they engage in the world. They're always looking to deceive and manipulate. They're always looking to find some sort of gain. This wise dad says to his son, don't consent. Uh, a few verses down, he says, don't walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their path. So when I tell you the kind of friends you should be looking for, what AJ was, was talking about, I say it all the time. Don't let people choose you for friendship. You be selective about who you're choosing to be friends with. Just because somebody wants to be friends with you doesn't mean that's necessarily a good person to be friends with. You need to let God's word have its effect, and you need to understand that. Is this is this person leading me into a path of sin? Or, you know, they might not be the most godly, godly influence, but you want to be very selective about who they are and, and what sort of path they're on frequently. So absolutely, we want to be mindful. We want to choose the right friends. We want to be very selective as we're thinking about somebody who's a best friend. All these guys are, are, are trying to say the same thing. It matters. That person is going to have a huge influence on you, and you want it to be an influence that leads you to the Lord. I know there's a lot more we could say about that, but I think that that gives us that gives us some good direction. Uh, here's a fun one. Let's just go fast. What suit shoe? <laughs> what shoe size are you? Um, AJ, we'll start with you. Just right down the line. Here we go. Ten. Ten. Eleven. 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 I'm also eleven. Doc. Uh, twelve and a half. Twelve and a half. 
nine, seven and a half. There you go. You, all your questions are being answered. Uh, here's, a, here's a good one. How do we know that God is real? How do we know that God is real? This is a really, really good question. Um, who wants it? Miss Cammy, she's, she's turning in her Bible. That's always a good sign. Yeah, keep looking. <laughs> yeah, um, that's one of the questions that's been asked, you know, throughout, throughout the ages. You know, how can you prove, prove that God is? And, you know, there are a lot of different ways that God reveals himself to us. Um, one way is through what his creation is. Um, you know, how beautiful it is, um, how complex it is, even just in earth. But if you look even beyond the earth, you know, there are galaxies and galaxies and galaxies out there, um, millions and trillions of light years. And it says that God spoke all of that. The Bible says that God spoke all of that into existence because without God, there is really no explanation for really anything. So, you know, you kind of have to start. Nothing really makes sense unless you have a creator. It's like you, you know, can take um, all the pieces of a Swiss, Swiss, a beautiful Swiss watch, you know, it has all kinds of little pieces and parts inside, and you can stick it in a box. And for millions of years, you could kind of keep shaking the box. And pretty much at the end, there's really no way that you're going to come out with a beautiful Swiss watch all put together, you know, just like the creation. I mean, even, even the simplest organisms, even bacteria and viruses and stuff, they have an incredible structure and complexity, even the smallest things here. So to think that they, there is no God and that they came from, from nothing and out of nowhere doesn't, doesn't really answer any questions and doesn't, kind of doesn't really make any sense either. So, so that's, that's one of the, the arguments. Um, probably the, the best argument is, is the scriptures. And, you know, God's word is how God has chosen to reveal himself the, the most intimately with human beings is through his word. And it's through reading it, understanding it, and believing it that, that you can have a relationship with the, the eternal God. So, and there's a whole lot. I mean, there's huge, huge books in the seminary library that talk about this. You know, you could read, read about this and never, ever, um, you know, end as far as how, because God is infinite and he's so great. So there's so much to learn about him. But, um, but yeah, there's, um, you know, the fact that there's everything exists, you know, that's an argument, you know, in and of itself, you know, for, for God. Good job, and he pretty much said what I was going to say, but I have a verse. Romans one twenty. for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, which is creation, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So everything that John just said is true. It's biblical. But when you can go to God's word and find that Bible verse that backs that up, God shows us that he, that's how God shows us that he is real. Mm -hmm. You look at his creation and in your heart, you know, there's a creator. Every man knows that many choose to suppress it, but they are without excuse because of that knowledge that God's put in their hearts. Yeah. One last thought, and it's not in scripture, but um, it takes faith either way. So if you're thinking like, oh, um, I don't think I believe that God created all of this. I don't think I'm going to 
I'm going to not choose to believe scripture. I'm going to not choose to look at this world from that aspect. You're still choosing to believe in something. You're choosing to believe that the world was created out of chaos. You know what I mean? That it just, that, that, that Swiss wasp did get thrown up in the air and land perfectly um, put together. So it isn't a matter of you believing or not believing. It's having faith in one thing or having faith in another. And your inaction is actually an action of disbelieving God and, you know, choosing to believe in that something came from nothing. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's really good. Um, I would just, I would just call you to one place in scripture that uh, I, I think really helps with all this. It's Psalm 19. And sometimes the Psalms can be intimidating. We read them and we're like, Oh, I don't know what this is. Uh, the, the, it's poetic, and there's some, is it a song? I'm not really sure what's happening here. But Psalm 19 really reveals this, this incredible contrast, comparison between the two ways that God reveals himself to us. And sort of in the first half, he talks about what Dr. Scott and Miss Cammie just highlighted, creation, and how creation pours forth speech. It's just letting you know every morning when that sun comes up and, and it sets in the right spot and the moon comes up and it sets in the... Every day we're just reminded all the time, wow, there has to be a God. There's no way that all this happens. There's no way that we really have the right amount of heat from that sun and the right amount of oxygen to breathe. And all every day is just meant to be a reminder that God exists. And then there are... The second half of that psalm talks about the specific way he reveals himself. And you could talk about two things. One is the way he sent his son, Jesus, here to be this divine revelation of the Father. Hebrews chapter 1 talks about Jesus that way, that he came to speak to us about the Father. He was a perfect representation of what God, his Father, was like. And so that was him revealing himself and then in Psalm 19, it goes back and starts to talk about this. It starts to talk about your Bible. It calls it all these different words, but they all mean the same thing. The law, the commandments, the precepts, the rules, it's all talking about God's word. And all of it reveals who God is. And it reveals that he's real. And he's wanting you to know precisely who he is and who you are in light of him. And both creation and Jesus revealing the Father and the Word are meant to make you go, whoa, <laughs> I, I need to know who this God is. I want to know what he's like. And as the Bible reveals that he's holy and without sin and we are sinful, we come to a huge kind of cross in the road here. Like, I, I have to make a decision. Because this God wants me to know that there's a problem and that sin separates me from him. And, and that I'm going to be under his judgment unless I do something about it, which is also in his word. He wants us to know that Jesus came to save sinners from their sin. He wants us to know the gospel. And I was just talking to a couple of girls right before this. I don't know what their motives were precisely, something about meeting Pastor John or something, but if they could explain the gospel, they could have this thing. I want, you, I want all of you to know the gospel. Christ came to save sinners from their sin. You are under the judgment of God because of your sin, and that sin has to be paid for. And that sin was paid for by Christ dying on the cross for you. 
But what Leah just mentioned and what we've been talking about is you must believe in that. You must put your faith and trust in what Christ did for you. And if you'll do that, you'll be saved. It takes faith. It takes faith to believe that. And it's a great question. I love that question. We could camp here the rest of the day, but we got to move on. All right, fun question. What's the age that I can get a beard? Wow. I'm assuming this isn't a lady question. Uh, <laughs> dudes, I'm just going to encourage you. Uh, man, shaving, it's a, it's a thing. Uh, I would delay it as long as possible, and then once it starts, then, yeah, just let it, let it come in naturally, okay? Let it yeah, I mean, at Halloween's coming. You can go to the Halloween store and get one now. Yeah, <laughs> also really true, also really true. Um, all right, let's move to this question. Uh, is there something I should be focused on as a young Christian? Love that question. As a, as a teenage, young teenage Christian, is there something in particular I should be focused on? What do we think? Anybody? Yeah, there's basically some some real real basics for any new Christian, you know, whether it be at your guys' age or even if you come to Christ later on. And, um, yeah, that's the first thing is um, being nourished by God's Word. So, and having your mind renewed, like it says in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Um, it says having your, your minds re- re- renewed daily. And the way to do that is through daily, part, you know, reading God's Word and learning more about it. Okay, another thing that new Christians should be doing and should come naturally to you is prayer. You know, going to your Heavenly Father every day to tell Him your needs and not to for, forget to thank Him for His answers. Um, and so that's another another important thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that's, that's really important is fellowship. So like the fact that you guys are all here together is really great because there is no, th- no thing as a, a loner Christian. You know, some people will say, well, you know, I don't believe any of the churches are, are true, so I just have my own relationship with God all my, by myself. But that, doesn't, that isn't right because um, we all are part of God's body. The church is, a, is, is referred to in Scripture as God's body. And there aren't parts of the body that can survive by themselves. You know, like you... Um, if your finger gets amputated and you just let it sit there, it will die because it's not getting blood, blood supply and nervous supply and everything that needs and oxygen and all that to live. So there is no such thing as a loner Christian. So we all need um, to be um, fellowshipping together, like it says in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, 
that you know, we need um, to be together and all the more as we see the day drawing near. So it's like a fire. You know, if you take a, a coal out of a campfire, like I, I don't know if you guys have been camping or you've been to the beach and you guys, you know, will have like a, like a, a fire or, you know, you, you barbecue or whatever. If you take one of the coals out of there and put it off by itself, what happens to it? Yeah, it goes out. It turns gray and cold and goes out. If you take it and put it back together with the fire, what happens to the coal? <sighs> yeah, it, uh, it um, comes back to life. So that's the way it is with us in our Christian lives. We need each other. We need to be encouraging each other. So that's really important. And then eventually, too, uh, that's going to happen. The more you know God's word and you know him, you're going to want to tell other people about him. And so it's sharing your faith with others. So it's those, those four things. It's, you know, being in the word, um, praying, fellowship, and, and sharing your faith with others is how you grow as a, as a Christian. Love it. <clears throat> nope. Um, you know, I might even just, I mean, that's, that's the answer for sure. I might just add one particular verse from Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 1 that says, children, and listen, don't be offended by that word. I know you're teenagers, but you're, that's, that's who it's talking to. And, and Paul writes there in Ephesians 6, young teenagers, obey your parents in the Lord. And he says, for this is right. And so I think one practical thing that God does for you right now is he's, he's put you in a family and he wants you to obey your parents. And that's for a reason. He, he, he wants you to learn to submit. He wants you to learn to follow rules and to understand that there's an authority above you. And he does it with this really practical way of, of putting you in a family with a mom or a dad or maybe a mom and a dad, hopefully. But you, you get this, oh, I'm, I'm not in control. I'm not in charge from a very early age. And the whole point of your parents raising you up is to one day slide out of the way and say, now, son or daughter, you no longer obey me, but you obey the Lord. I want you to turn your affections to, to obey Christ. I'll be here to help. I'll be here to offer wisdom, but I want you to obey Christ and his word. So it's very simple. It's very short. It's very focused. Those are the, those are the spiritual disciplines we need to be in the Bible and pray and be in fellowship and be sharing our faith. But one very practical thing you might think about is if, if God calls me to obey my parents, just short and sweet, that's, that's mainly the instruction to young people. Am I, am I doing that? Am I obeying my parents? Um, you know, we've had an interesting couple of, of months down here. You know, and some of you are, are coming and going out of the room with a little more uh, boldness than normal, and and you've we've stopped you. We've, we're asking you where where are you going? What are you doing? Why? Well, because you're supposed to be here. Your parents want you to be here. They think that you're here, and we want to help you obey your parents. <laughs> you know, we we want we want them to to know that you're where you're supposed to be. So, I mean, just one practical thing, even at church, like, am I, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I where I'm supposed to be? Um, am I obeying my parents? That's a really good question to be asking yourself all the time. I think young Christians can benefit from that. All right. Are there hot showers at summer camp? Usually. 
All right. Uh, question number 19. Uh, why? Why? <laughs> I think it's too many question marks here. Uh, can any, why are you a pastor? Can anybody be a pastor? Um, pastors, elders, that, that's a great question. You know, we're in 1 Timothy. We're, we took a little break this morning. Uh, we're actually going to get to that section uh, next week where Paul starts talking about who's allowed to teach, who in the, in the makings of the church is supposed to do what roles. We understand that men and women are created equal and they both have incredible privileges and purposes in God's mind, but they serve in different capacities, especially in the church. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and chapter 3, you get into some of these qualifications of who's supposed to do what. And for elders, pastors, one of the things not only is character, but also that you're able to teach. And right before that, Paul says in 1 Timothy 2 verse 12, I do not permit a woman to teach. And what he's talking about there is specifically in the assembly of the whole church. I know a lot of women who are incredible teachers they teach in Sunday school, and they, you guys have you know, small group leaders who have taught you a whole bunch. So women are allowed to teach, and they do teach in certain capacities, but not in a pastoral role, not as an elder. Um, that, that's reserved for men. Why am I a pastor or, or an elder? Why is Dr. Scott an elder? I, I mean, I would let him answer that question for himself. My response would be because God made me. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a desire. I was a construction worker. Some of you know this. Maybe you don't. I was a construction worker. I built houses for about a dozen years. And towards the end of that career of being a carpenter, the Lord just impressed upon my heart a desire to be a pastor. I was in, I was a, a youth leader like these guys at my church, doing more and more, loving it more and more. And it got to the point where that was my my conviction. It was a source of joy for me. I knew I wanted to spend all my minutes in ministry, just dedicated to it, wanting to figure out how to do that. So God gave me a desire to do that. It was a calling that, that he placed on my life that I, I don't think I could say no to. You might have something different to say. Yeah, Jay was swinging a hammer and um, we we recognized his giftedness and now he's swinging a Bible. So um, in, different, in a different way, building Sword. the church. Come on, guys. Hey, stay, stay with me here. No, I'm kidding. But um, anyway, um, yeah, for me, um, I, I came here quite a number of years ago. The past, junior high pastor at the time asked Cammie and I to join staff. And we started to you know, minister to the younger um, staff members and disciple them and the pastor and his wife and stuff. And um, you know, it was just recognized that I was kind of fulfilling the role of an elder in the group, and they re- the elders recognized that and, uh, and asked if I wanted to aspire to, you know, being the elder, particularly of this group, and um, I said yes, and since that call, and have been here uh, for a few years. All right, do I like lollipops? Nope. What's my favorite hobby and activity? Um, guys, real quick, what, what do you like to do? AJ, what do you like to do? Uh, let's play golf. Golf, Trishan? 
basketball, sticking with the sports. Ryan? Uh, when I was in junior high, I loved to draw. That was like my favorite thing to do. Oh, Ryan. Is there anybody better than Ryan? Man, he's the best. Uh, I, I, too, am a, a fan of golf. That's, that's how I would use spare time if I had any. Dr. Scott? Um, yeah, just um, actually music. Um, I play the guitar and... Uh, Bet you didn't the, know that. play the violin a little bit, too. And he plays the drums, and he plays... No, he does a lot. I do nothing. No. <laughs> My hobby is being a Grammy. Know how I spend my time. I think I would like to. Well, I don't know if I'd like to do more, but I like to run, so that's kind of fun. Good. Nobody call. Nobody clap for golf. What's going on? Oh, oh, okay. Whew. All right, let's. Uh, we got. We got time for a few more. Here's one that I really wanted to get to because this one is showing up a lot, and it's. I think a, a question that needs an answer. What do I do if I'm feeling depressed? How do I deal with depression? Here's another one. I don't understand why I'm feeling depressed. Can you help me with depression? So what, what's God's word say about this issue of depression? Guys, what do we think? good yeah thanks Ryan um, yeah guys I mean life is life is really hard um, I think depression for a lot of people especially at your age I think I, I read something the other day it was like 20% um, teenagers when the age of like 16 to A lot of that depression, I think, for young people 
and that could be such a detrimental thing for you guys because the world is trying to tell you that you need to look a certain way, live a certain way, be a certain way, but if you don't hit all these points, then you're not where you need to be. And what that causes you guys to do is have a lot of self-doubt. You know, you you feel like you're less, you feel like you're not you know, worthy of, of something, and that's completely false. Uh, so I would just encourage you guys to, to not try to compare yourself to what you'll see online, whether it's some of your favorite you know, creators or whoever, but just understand that the Lord has made you the way that he's made you. He's given you the, the looks that you have, the mind that you have, the abilities that you have, because he knew that he wanted you to have those specific things, and that's something that you can find a lot of joy in. Uh, from the other side of that, too, I like the Psalms are full of verses that speak about anxiety and depression. I think those things go hand in hand. If you're super anxious, you're probably depressed as well because you're on edge all the time. You don't have any sort of joy. You don't have any sort of hope in anything. And a guy who really struggled with, I think, this a lot was, was, was David. And he writes about it quite a bit. Um, one verse I'm sure everyone else can Psalm 55, 22, uh, this is the verse that I go to uh, in times of, of trial or hardship, even depression in my own life, and it says, cast your burden upon the Lord, he will sustain you. Uh, he will never allow the righteous to be shaken. And what does that mean, cast your burden, like cast your circumstances, cast what's happening in your life upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. So that's why Ryan is saying that, the foundation is Christ, because without that, who do we cast that to? Who do I put my burden on? Who helps me carry this? Who helps me through this really hard time in life? It can only be the King of Kings, and it can only be Jesus. And if you guys don't know him savingly, um, that battle with depression is not going to waver. It's just going to be a continual beatdown in life. No matter how much money you make, no matter how successful you become, no matter how strong you get, no matter you know anything, it doesn't matter without Christ.
that. And so it's there, it's real. Um, God put it there, it's with a purpose, and that purpose is to lead you towards him. Just like Ryan was saying, uh, people who are depressed, they, they seem to have no hope, and Jesus is hope, right? So um, I think it's really important to remember that. Um, so it's real um, that, that God can lead you through it, and that he is the hope, Jesus Christ is the hope through that. But also, uh, the Bible also tells us that Jesus came for the weak, right? Those who, who, uh, who are uh, not sick don't need a physician. So uh, it's, it's also important to remember, it's okay to be weak, you know, sometimes. It's okay to, to have those feelings, but it's, it's important to acknowledge them, but also it's okay to be weak and ask for help, right? Uh, you don't have to try to fight it by yourself. You're not alone. We talked about friends earlier, you know. Uh, you have your friends, but more, more importantly, you have God and your parents, and you have you have you have the church to help you through that. So, if these are things you're dealing with, don't do it by yourself. It's hard. It's tough. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just just reach out uh, because we love you. Uh, your parents love you. Right? Your friends love you, and they and Jesus of all, He loves you. So, um, yeah, I just encourage you uh, in that way if, if you're dealing with those things. Doc, let me ask you this. Uh, I have several questions like this. Depression has led me, and I want to try to summarize them, to think about wanting to hurt myself. How can I overcome self-harm? Thoughts do you have about that? Yeah, um, these days for all of you, you guys, are, um, are days of a lot of change that's coming in your life for a lot of reasons. Um, school changes, um, but other things too are, you know, there's like little chemicals in the body that are starting to kick in now called hormones. And sometimes they can make you, you know, angry. They can make you depressed. They can make you sad. Um, I think COVID has had a, a huge toll on a lot of people um, across America, teenagers in particular, um, because they couldn't be with their friends um, a lot of the activities that they love to do, they are not allowed to do and, thing, and such. And a lot of people have got, become very, very you know, sad and blue. Um, if you're feeling that way, um, I think one really important thing is to let your parents know how you feel. And you know, they can help you, um, you know, to get help that you need. Um, you know, we're here, too, um, to support and encourage you um, so that you don't do those things because, you know, none of us here, you know, wants to see you hurt yourself. Um, you know, the Lord certainly does not want you to see you hurt yourself or harm yourself in any way or take your life because um, that doesn't solve anything. It just makes everything worse. And so um, there are times, um, sometimes when people do, go on medications at different times depending on on their situation but um, if you're a Christian um, you have God's word and you know this everything that we need for life and godliness is is here and so um, you know there the staff would love to help you encourage you your parents um, and they will have wisdom in terms of also how to help you with that but just realize some of the feelings you're going through are kind of um, not unusual for for this this time of your life, but you know you can make it through, and you know with the encouragement of the staff. There's so many scriptures that 
you know, we could go into, you know, that could encourage you in that, and we don't have enough time to get into a lot of them, but, um, but just suffice it to say, you know, we're here for you, um, your parents are here, and, you know, they can encourage you from the scriptures, um, you know, to give you that hope and that encouragement that you need to, uh, um, you know, to get to feel better, to, you know, to get it, get through it. Doc, I see you're open to First Kings. I, I know we're we're a little bit over time, but I think this is one of my favorite reminders about even just how our our system works, how our bodies can function, and how sometimes we can feel off, we can feel depressed. Sorry, we can feel depressed, discouraged, down. We can even get to a place where we 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 think crazy stuff, mm-hmm. um, and I've never heard anybody explain it better than you so why don't you why don't you hit that and then yeah well i wasn't sure we had enough time to get into yeah this, i don't but care we'll, we'll hit it real I, quick. I'm, I'm, um yeah so care. there's a story in the old testament in the book of first kings and you guys i'm sure you might have heard it in sunday school or even read it yourselves but um it's about the prophet elijah so elijah was getting direct revelation from god so that's about as good as it gets as far as you having confidence, you know, because God himself is talking to you. And um, there was a very, very wicked king uh, named Ahab and an almost more wicked wife that he had named Jezebel. How many of you heard about Jezebel? Yeah. You know, to call somebody that name is not a very, very nice thing to say about somebody. But um, they, Ahab and Jezebel were leading Israel astray from worshiping the true God, Yahweh. And um, they were antagonistic to the point where they killed um, God's prophets. And, um, and so God sent Elijah to Ahab and said, okay, I want you to bring all of Israel here um, to Mount Carmel, which is like a, a little elevated area there in, in Israel, they said, I want you to bring um, 400 prophets of Baal, and, uh, you know, we will have a contest. And we're going to, you know, take bulls, and we're going to leave the meat out there. And whoever, whichever God um, um, responds by fire is the true God. And so, um, so Ahab takes up the challenge, gets all the prophets of Baal there, you know, Baal being, a, you know, an evil um, uh, false god that they were worshiping, and so the prophets of Baal they were they were chanting and they were and, and getting themselves into a frenzy and nothing's happening right, <laughs> nothing at all is happening, and so they start getting even more frenzied. They start like cutting themselves with knives and gushing blood out and doing all this weird stuff trying to get their their gods to respond to them, and crickets, nothing happened at all. So Elijah said, not only am I going to take the wood around my, my sacrifice, I'm going to douse it with water. So, you know, when you're trying to, to set up a campfire, you want it to be dry so it'll catch fire, right? Well, um, Elijah's doing the opposite. You know, he's dousing it with water. And fire came down from heaven and completely licked up all the water, the wood, the sacrifices, burned everything. And everybody fell on their face. So this is this massive way of God showing himself to be tangibly real right before them, right before their very eyes. And so this is a, a tremendous victory for God. 
But this caused Jezebel to be infuriated, and she said, I will not sleep until I, I kill Elijah. And Elijah, despite hearing directly from God, and despite seeing this amazing victory, what did he do? You guys know the story? He ran away, right? So he started running away um, from Jezebel and found himself out in the wilderness and kind of laid down and was saying, I feel like I want to die. So that's pretty depressed, right? You know, that's like kind of like almost like suicidal. And um, the Lord sent an angel to him and said, look, rest, take some food. You haven't been eating and, um, you know, I will further reveal myself to you. So, you know, that's kind of the advice that sometimes, you know, and, and then Elijah was revived and, you know, he was no longer um, so afraid. So um, sometimes if we're not eating right, we're not sleeping right, you know, we're not taking care of ourselves, um, sometimes that leads to, you know, depression. And if that can happen to God's prophet, um, it could happen maybe to you or to me. So we have to be on guard against that and to make sure when we're feeling that way to ask the question, you know, have I been sleep getting enough sleep? Am I getting enough rest? Am I eating right? You know, am I exercising, you know, doing all these good things that are good for your health um, before you, you know, get too, um, you know, too sad and too blue and too worried about, about things and, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that you're doing those things um, you know, before you go, you know, tell, tell that to, uh, you know, to your family or, you know, to your parents or to your staff or whatever. Okay. It's great. And I, I think what's even a, a good closing reminder is that it was God who really helped, you know, and, and that's kind of where we started this question. And I've been in junior high long enough to know if, if that question shows up four times, it's probably like, 40 of you who are, are thinking about it and have questions about it. And we began with the, the real source of help. Philippians chapter three is just another chapter that revolves around not joy and who we are, not joy and all the things that we have and all the cool stuff we get to do, but real joy that's only found in one place and it's joy in the Lord. And there Paul unpacks a a, a really cool section of scripture that talks about all the ways that our joy gets messed up. But it begins with the most important place in that we can't have this joy unless we really know who Christ is. That's where real joy. Look, the world is full of fake joy. Things that you're like, that'll make me happy forever. It's not going to. There is only one thing that will satisfy this search for joy that your heart's on, and it's, it's in the Lord. And that's why God's word says that. There is real, permanent, lasting joy in the Lord, and it begins by thinking right about Christ and who he is and what he did to, to help you with your sin problem, to save you from your sin. And until we get that right, until we bow the knee before Christ and say, save me, I, I am able to confess my sin and I want to turn away from it and I want to follow you. Until we can get to that point, we're just looking for fake joy. We'll take it even if it lasts for a minute. We'll look for joy that'll last for an hour because we're so hungry for it. And the whole time, the Lord's offering real joy that lasts. So, I want to encourage you guys, if you're 
dealing with that. I think Dr. Scott's wisdom is, is spot on. Talk to your parents. Talk to us if we could be a source of help. We want to help you. Get some sleep. Eat right. Try to help yourself think right. But know that you need the Lord. You might be wanting to hurt yourself because you're so guilty and so shamed at your sin. That's a real probability. That's a real thing. That's where the Bible starts. Adam and Eve sin and they start to do crazy things. Cover, 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 blame, blame, anger, anger. And sometimes it expresses outwardly and sometimes it expresses inwardly. And it's all the same thing. It's about sin and your need for the gospel. So we love you guys and we're here to help. We, I have a hundred more really good questions. So maybe we'll, we'll try to do this again soon. But these are great questions. And I want you to know not only me, Dr. Scott, these guys, but all your leaders are here to answer your questions like this. Questions about the Bible and God's word and, and what we need to know. Okay, so ask your questions. We, we want to make sure you know. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this morning. What a, a good reminder of just how your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Pray that it would be our source of truth. Lord, that we would look to you first for answers, that we would turn to your word to, to help us understand you and who we are and our need for you. Father, I'm grateful for these junior hires who are here this morning. Pray that They would ask their questions, pray that they would seek you, pray that, Lord, through your gospel, you would turn their hearts to you. Help us to know and believe and put our trust in you, our true source of joy and hope and salvation. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.